Good morning, and welcome to this week's public affairs program. I'm Jay Zimmer in the newsroom. This week, we hear an encore presentation from Allison Barber, CEO of the Indiana Fever, the WNBA basketball team. All right. Thanks, Carrie. We're in for a treat today. So today we have Allison Barber, who is the president and chief operating officer of the Indiana Fever, with a career that spans from a schoolhouse to the White House and now to the field house. Dr. Allison Barber has a successful record of building brands and maximizing impact from grade school teacher in Merrillville, Indiana, to communications strategist for the White House and the United States Defense Department, and as the first chancellor and chief fundraiser for Western Governors University, Allison has dedicated herself to creating pathways to help individuals reach their true potential. Now, as president and COO of the Indiana Fever, she has set her sights on building and sharing Fever fans and inspiring Fever fans in all 92 counties of Indiana. Barbara understands the power of playing sports as a college athlete herself in tennis and softball and a letterman in tennis and softball, she values the positive impact sports can have on both children and adults. Barbara holds a BS in elementary education from Tem Tennessee Temple University and MS in elementary education from the Indiana University <laughs> and a PhD in leadership from Tennessee Temple University. She is a recipient of the Department of Defense Medal for Distinguished Public Service. I don't think we have any of others. And uh, I am a triathlete. Any triathletes in here? So my first triathlon, my it's a sprint triathlon. So if you don't know the difference, that's not a real triathlon. It's the easy of the triathlons. And when you apply online to enter into the race, you swim, you run, you ride a bike. And for swimming, it says, do you swim like a fish or do you sink like a rock? And that's how they determine what heat you go into the Eagle Creek. I also did it in the canal in downtown India and lived to tell about it. So I thought, well, I've never done one of these before. I'm a pretty good swimmer, thanks to the YMCA. And I, uh, so I don't swim like a fish, but I don't sink like a rock, so I'm middle. And when you got to the triathlon that day, they look at your chart and they put a number on your arm in a Sharpie marker. And I have never felt more like an athlete than I did in that exact moment. And they put a number, 288, which meant I was going in the second heat. So the amazing swimmers went first, the elite swimmers, maybe some of you were in that group, then the 100 group went, and then the 200 group went. I jumped into the creek as a 200 heat swimmer. I panicked because I'd never been in a swim race before. I thought I'm going to drown because I was getting kicked and hit. So I roll over on my back. I thought about quitting, but I just hate that. I hate the whole concept of quitting. And I thought, I got up early to do this. I'm not quitting. So I roll over on my back and I just backstroke and breathe a little bit to try and catch my breath, regain my you know determination to swim this race. And nobody was kicking me and nobody was hitting me. And I thought, okay, and I turn over to continue my breaststroke. Do you know why nobody was kicking me and nobody was hitting me? I had somehow backstroked right out of the swim lane into the middle of Eagle, Eagle Creek, and I was all by myself. And there was a lifeguard in a rowboat, and I said to him, you could have told me I was out of the race, 
And he said, I'm just here to make sure you don't drown. So then I just went back into the race to continue. I remember what number I went in with. What was the number? I was in what fl flight? The 200s. I got out of the creek with the 800s. So I competed, but it wasn't glamorous. Uh, but I survived, and that's, I'm here to talk about it, I guess, today. So I'm an accidental triathlete. Speaking of sports, I'm glad to be here. I love Evansville. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on your success of Evansville. When I was with WGU Indiana, I came down here as often as I possibly could. My colleague, Jelda Hasselers here, who works for WGU, and we, um, I just have enjoyed watching your city continue to thrive. It's impressive, and it's your hard work that's making Evansville a special place, and I'm thrilled to be here. You know, I'm with the Indiana Fever. We'll unpack that a little bit together today. But I am first and foremost a first grade school teacher, so let's start today with a quiz. When I say someone's name, I want you to just shout out what sport they played. We're going to start easy. Larry Bird. Okay, smart group. Good, I like it. Billie Jean King. Serena Williams. Good, a little contemporary. How about Simone Biles? Gymnastics, very good. Anybody know Tamika Catchings? Basketball, the famous Tamika Catchings for the Indiana Fever. How about Tiger Woods? Jordan Spieth. Okay, we're getting there. How about Bernice Sandler? Okay, that's a good guess. I didn't know Bernice Sandler either until I looked her up. Bernice Sandler was a professor at the University of Maryland, and she was a successful professor. She applied for a dean position and didn't get it. The dean position opened up the next semester, she applied, and she didn't get it. She applied again and still rejected. And she finally went to the executive of the, the dean and said, I keep applying, I'm qualified, I keep applying for this position, and I keep getting rejected. Why is that? And the dean said, well, Bernice, you know you're too outspoken for a woman. Didn't, Bernice didn't like that answer. So she determined that she was going to change the course for herself and for women. And Bernice started working on what we now know as Title IX. Bernice was the godmother of Title IX. Somebody said to her, why were you so inspired to pave a way for women to get to go to college and for women to play sports on scholarship? And she said, I wasn't inspired, I was mad. I was just mad. Bernice Sandler never played sports. But raise your hand if you know a woman, or maybe you are a woman, you know a woman who has a college degree. Raise your hand. Okay. Keep your hand up if you know a woman who got to play college sports. Okay, all these hands are up because of a woman we've never heard of, Bernice Sandler. We've heard of all these athletes, but we've never heard of Bernice. But she was the reason why women today got to get to go to college and get to play sports on scholarship. Bernice had an attitude of what my dad, who's with me here today, Gary Canada, rode down with me. I woke him up at seven this morning. My mom, my dad, my husband, and I share a home. At seven o'clock, I woke him up with a big sign, and it said, wanna go to Evansville? And he looked at me, he's like, sure. So up he got, and we rode down three hours, and we're gonna take some time and tour around your city. He hasn't been here in years. 
and I want him to see how beautiful Evansville is. But Bernice Sandler lived out a strategy that my dad actually taught me. You know what I'm gonna say, right, Dad? To the hoop, to the hoop, kid. When my parents bought me a basketball hoop, we grew up in the region. Any region folks in here today? <laughs> my dad, awesome. When they bought me a basketball hoop, and my first basketball, I was so excited. Do you, anybody remember getting a first basketball? Thrilling. And my dad and I went out to the driveway. That is where my basketball career began and ended, sadly, was in my driveway. But we were on the, at the driveway. I was a little kid, second, third grade. And my dad said to me, take it to the hoop, kid. Take it to the hoop. Now, in that moment, I bet you anything, he was telling me to get closer to the basket, so what would happen? I might make it. But maybe what my dad didn't know in that moment was that he was teaching me a strategy for life and for business and for career. I'm in my eighth career as the president of the Indiana Fever. A take it to the hoop mentality, I bet you anything, is what you do in your businesses and your nonprofits and in your community. Take it to the hoop mentality says, I'm gonna set a goal. What's my goal? I'm gonna make a basket. How am I gonna get to my goal? I'm gonna practice. I'm gonna take away the barriers between me and my goal. A take it to the hoop mentality is a formula for success in all that we do. And the first thing it does is it builds your confidence. How many of you, similar to me, when you're at your desk and you jot a note and you're done with that note, you crinkle it up and you look at your trash can. Do we have any tossers in this room? Who tosses that in the trash can? And when it goes in the trash can, what do you say? Yes, yes. Do you know when you make that basket, your brain releases dopamine? That is ex exciting. And your brain is saying to you, good job, good job. Your brain doesn't say, well, you better make it, it's right there. <laughs> your brain says, you did it, you had a goal, and you accomplished your goal by throwing that post-it note in the trash can. Good job. It's a dopamine that's released. It makes us feel good and it builds our confidence. You know, when I started in my first career, I tried things. How many of you try certain things and you're new at it and you're nervous? Do you remember the first time you pitched a new piece of business? When I started my own business, when I left the Red Cross and before I went to work at the Pentagon, I started my own consulting business. And I was at a reception and the CEO of a company said, what are you doing these days? I said, oh, I have my own consulting business. He said, PR and communication. He goes, oh my gosh, we need to hire you. We have a big campaign coming up. Would you be interested in the work? I said, of course, I would love to. He goes, well, what's your fax number? That dates it. What's your fax number? I'll have my secretary send you the proposal. I said, oh, Matt, you're busy. I'll call your secretary later, I know her, and I'll have her get it to me. Don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. He said, okay. What Matt didn't know is I had to stop by Staples on my way home to buy a fax machine. <laughs> I got home, I unwrapped it so nervously, I unwrapped the fax machine, I plugged my hard line of my phone into the fax machine, called his secretary on my cell phone, and I said, oh, Matt said, maybe send me a proposal. She said, oh, I'd be happy to. What's your fax number? 703-926-4084. She said, I'll send it to you. And then, of course, I sat nervously. You remember when you pitched your first business, when you tried your first campaign, and you waited hoping that it would work? 
And I waited, and sure enough, minutes later, that old machine with that dumb paper that rolls up when it hits the ground, my fax came through, and I had my first proposal to bid on business. I put together a proposal. I went and met with the client who worked for Matt, and he said, well, what's your rate? And I told him my rate, and then I stopped talking. Sales 101. Stop talking. Now, I could barely breathe because this was my first business pitch. And he looked at me and he said, well, that's expensive. And I still did not talk. And he said, but I think we can do that. And I said, okay, that'd be great. I walked out of his office and almost fainted. <laughs> but what did that do? Take it to the hoop mentality. I had a goal and it built my confidence. When I go on a business pitch today, I'm, I have energy and excitement around presenting the fever to a group like you but I don't have the same nervousness that I had that first day of pitching business because I built my confidence. I took it to the hoop and it built confidence, which then builds competency. Now, how many of you can relate to this? You remember when you first drove your car the very first time? Can you think back? I can barely remember driving my car at 15 and a half, but I do remember a few things. I got in the car and I adjusted the mirrors. Remember, we, I, anybody my age, you had to roll down the window and adjust your I mean, honestly, today you sit down, everything happens for you. But they told you to keep your hands at what? Ten and two. See, we all learned that. How many on your drive over here kept your hands at ten or two, or were you like me? And you were drinking your Starbucks, and maybe you were pushing buttons, and your cell phone was talking to you while you were driving because you've built competencies. You know how to drive your car. You don't think about those things that you thought about at 15 and a half when you first learned to drive. We build competencies in our business. I'm with the Indiana Fever. We have a take it to the hoop mentality. We have a goal of being the premier women's team in the state of Indiana. Do you know there are only 12 women's professional basketball teams in the country and Indiana has one of them? Thank you, Pepper. The Indiana Fever, we play at the field house, so the Pacers tip off their season with a preseason game tomorrow. They play through May, and then in May, the Fever start their season, so we play in the summer. I will tell you that when I taught school in Northwest Indiana, I was telling Karen, I didn't even know we had a women's professional team. I didn't even know. It's it's been around, but if you're not in that Indiana, Indianapolis market, you might not know. And that's why I'm here today. I want you to know. I want you to be proud of the fact that your state for 20 some years has said, we believe in women and sports for women. We live out Title IX, opportunities for girls. You have girls basketball teams here. We want them to come up and watch your fever game this summer. We want you to understand that we at Pacer Sports Entertainment Look at opportunity and inclusion and diversity as really important activities for us to build a strong society. These are the competencies we're building. Now, my team is young. My team isn't that good. Somebody said, well, you shouldn't say that. And I said, well, they can read the paper, can't they? I mean, you can see my record. Folks, we're a brand new team. I inherited, have you ever in, stepped into a business that was in decline? Have you ever been hired to be a change agent and people say, come in, we need you to refresh this brand, this company, this nonprofit? It's hard work. Because the first thing you do is you start off and people said to me, oh, fire everybody in the first month. And I said, well, 
that's not my style. I've read the I've read the Welsh books on leadership and management, and I get that. But that's not my style. Let's see, let's see how competent the team is, the staff, the people around me. And I remember we were six or seven months into the first day and some or first first year together, and one of my former employees said, "You know what the problem is with you?" Emphasis on former employee. You know what the problem is with you? Whatever we did last year isn't good enough for you this year. And I thought, oh, could you imagine running a company and said, oh, what were sales last year? Oh, we sold $100,000, let's not do more this year. Could you imagine? Could you imagine doing that in your business? How many volunteers do we have, 600? Oh, let's, no, we don't want more this year. Of course we want more, we need more. Fever need more fans. We want Evansville Rotary to think about the fever when you come up to Indy this summer. Check out our schedule. We want you to come cheer on our women's sports team. But take it to the hoop mentality says we're gonna build confidence. We're gonna work hard every day. And even though we're not good now, we will be good. It's a three-year plan. We're in month 11 of a three-year plan. We moved off most of our players. We only have 12 players on a roster on a women's basketball team, 12 players. Seven of my 12 players are rookies. That's hard. I just let our head coach go. In about the next two or three weeks, you'll hear about a new head coach that we're gonna hire. That's hard too. But if you're gonna rebuild a company or a nonprofit or a community group, it means that you're willing to do the difficult. Take it to the hoop also means you're willing to take risk. If you've played basketball and you drive to the hoop with a layup, it means you're willing to get clobbered. Somebody is there that's gonna try and block that shot. You're willing to take the hit. Leadership, take it to the hoop mentality says, in my business, in my community, in my women's basketball team, we're willing to take the risk of making the basket, making it better, building a new team, building a franchise that you'll be proud of. So we're in the midst of it at the Fever. We've built our confidence. We're building our competencies with this young new team. My players are awesome. Lexi Hall just graduated from Stanford with a bachelor's and master's in engineering. And she plays for the Indiana Fever. Don't you want me to bring her down here to meet your high school kids? Wouldn't that be awesome for these high school and junior high kids to see somebody in a STEM degree, bachelor's and master's who's also a professional athlete? Destiny Henderson won the national championship with South Carolina playing for Dawn Staley last year. She's got her own clothing business. Wouldn't your kids here love to see an entrepreneur who's also an elite basketball player? We build our confidence, our competencies, and finally we're building our contribution into the community. A couple of weeks ago, we're a partner with the Red Cross. If you're a Red Cross donor, I know your Red Cross here is very strong. Thank you for the support, whether it's blood donation or financial donation, thank you for that. We had a blood drive in Indianapolis, and I said to one of my players, would you have time to swing by the blood drive and just thank people for donating blood? And Queen Edbo, who went to Baylor, said, sure, I'd be happy to. Just gonna stop by and thank people. When you donate blood, your donation saves three lives. Amazing. So since Queen was gonna be at the blood drive, I thought, well, I'll swing by the blood drive and thank Queen for thanking the donors. And when I got there, I was asking, where's Queen? And they said, oh, she's in the back room. She decided to donate blood. As above and beyond. My players are involved in the community. They contribute back into society. 
Last week they were at the women's shelter in Indianapolis working, doing a camp for kids who are living in the shelter. When you take it to the hoop, it's not just about wins and losses, it's about impact. The wins will come, the impacts will last. And so the Indiana Fever's busy. We are busy every day of focusing on how do we build a franchise that you'll be proud of. Will you come to all of our games? No. Will you maybe come to one? Hope so, we'd love to have you. But maybe, just maybe, you'll walk out today and say, you know what? I'm glad our state cares about girls in sports. I'm glad our state is working hard to provide opportunities to advance women in, in the sport of basketball. And maybe, just maybe, you'll check us out online and you'll follow us on social and Twitter and you'll just say, go fever. And when we announce our new coach in a couple of weeks, I'll send you a note and you can cheer her on and say, welcome to Indiana or him, depending who we pick, in case anybody's reporting. We don't know yet. We don't know. You don't know either, because I don't know. If you take it to the hoop in Evansville, you're going to keep doing what you do. Build your confidence, your competencies, so that we can contribute. I read a quote by a professor, a philosopher, and he said, citizenship is the chance. Citizenship is the chance to make a positive impact to the place we belong. I think of a female basketball franchise is not just about a game. It's about making a positive impact to the place that we belong. Thank you for having me. I'll be happy to take any questions. Thank you. Any questions? Yes, in the back. Uh, so if you can, I'd be happy to. We're, I think the question started off about Title IX started. It's a focus on education and other activities is what Senator Birch by wrote, was other activities. Please go ahead. I, you know, I, I agree that many things have been hijacked in society for political gain and political rhetoric. I do think is you think about Title IX, and if you look, it's only 37 words long, the title itself, and it talks about no, no federal institution. They must provide equal opportunity for women for college uh, application and funding and for and other activities. So the other activities really is pretty broad. Senator By said they wrote other activities on purpose because they didn't know what to include. Billie Jean King, who you've all reminded me of as the tennis player, I was with her a couple of weeks ago and she said, "Thank." every time I saw Birch Bay, I would say, thank you for using the words and other activities because that's how sports got rolled into it. I, I do think it's important for us to recognize the space that the Title IX is talking about is federal funding. And so it's outside of a lot of the political rhetoric that you're talking about that people are trying to hijack it and say, well, that means this for me and this for me. And it's like, no, read the language. Words have meanings. It's about federal funding that you get college tuition scholarship and sports scholarship. So I do think it's a discipline that people like me and you and others need to stay true to what the title is about, knowing that people will try to make it advantage their agenda. And um, it's one of the things I do like about sports is that, you know, when people make a great shot, 
people to the left and the right high-five each other and nobody says, wait, are you a Democrat, Republican, or independent? Sports kind of unifies us, and I'm grateful for that. We need more of that, I think. Thank you. Other questions? Yes. Oh, yes, hi. Yeah, thank you for that question. If you haven't been able to catch some of this news, Brittany Griner is a WNBA player. She plays for Phoenix. And women's basketball players, so when we play, our schedule's in the summer, and as soon as we finish, the majority of our players go overseas and play in other countries. So of my 12 players, eight of them are playing in other countries, Israel, uh, Turkey, Russia, Australia. This is how they make their money. And so just to do a few quick number things, a player coming right out of college for the women's team will make on average $60,000 a year. So they have to go overseas to augment that salary as a professional athlete. Brittany was playing in Russia. She has played in Russia for years. And when she was going back into the country, she had some vaping in her. They said that they found vaping and unlawful product in her suitcase, and they arrested her. And she's been in a prison now since some early summer. And they just have, um, so the White House and the State Department have said that she is being held illegally. She's a political pawn and therefore the State Department is working on a prisoner trade to release Brittany and the Marine, uh, Paul Whelan, who is also being held in a Russian prison. So these are complicated issues, and you know, I think the Marine is a political pawn, Brittany is a political pawn, but they feel as if by maybe early, sometime this fall, that we will have a deal to have her released and back home. Thank you for asking. I <laughs> she was my first call two years ago when we were, I don't think I've ever said this publicly, but two years ago we were looking for a new head coach and Muffet was my first call. She and I are friends. Um, and sometimes now that I'm in sports, people think I'm Muffet, which is funny to me. I worked for WGU 12 years. Nobody ever said, are you Muffet McGraw? But now I'm in sports. I was at a fever game week this past summer. These high school girls were there and they were yelling and screaming I was the only one on the floor and they're yelling and screaming. So I thought my mascot was behind me throwing t-shirts because, you know, people will do crazy things for a free t-shirt that, oh, by the way, is not that expensive. Okay. But still, they love their free t-shirts. So I think Freddie Fever must be behind me yelling and screaming because these high school girls are about to fall out of their seats. They're yelling so much. No mascots behind me, but they keep yelling. So I'm like, oh no, I know what this is. So I climb all the way up to the steps where these high school girls are and I get up there and they said, aren't you Muffet McGraw? And I said, welcome to my humility world. I said, no, I'm just the president of the fever. I said, no, I'm not Muffet. And they turn and they're like, coach. And then the coach turned red. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were Muffet too. And I said, it's okay, I'm not Muffet, but let's tape a message, a video for Muffet and I'll send it to her. I said, all right, you guys all cheer for Muffet. So I turn on my camera and I do this big video from Muffet and they're all screaming, we love you Muffet, and I videotape it. I said, I'll send it to her. This high school girl says, you have her cell number? <laughs> I said, I do, and she said, can I have it? And I said, you can't. <laughs> Muffet is one of a kind, I, so I did of course call her and I'm like, before I pursue other coaches, this is two coaches, I, I will have my fourth coach in four, se- in four years when I announce our new coach. I said, um, any chance? And she said, no, I'm, I'm done. And she's living her best life. She's so happy, and, but she's a dear friend. So I, I would love to have her. I'm glad to have her as somebody who whispers in my ear, helps me. 
Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Any other questions? Yes. Dr. Barber, first of all, you are an inspiring human being. Thank, thank you so much thank for you. being with us today. Thank you. Very, very nice to listen to you speak. Um, I'm going to take you back to your, your teaching career for a moment. At, at one time, oh, so many years ago, I, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Life happens. It's still something that's near me all the time, and I'm, I'm, I'm very disappointed these days that it seems to have become an unattractive hmm. profession or option for a lot of people. Um, and I'm, I'm betting that if you could somehow be CEO of the educational system in this country, you'd have some answers to correct that. Well, I, let, me, let me introduce an idea for you that I think about. When I was graduating from high school and thinking about going to college, my mom is a school teacher. My dad worked in construction at Ball State. My great-grandmother, my grandmother, my great-aunt, everybody in education. So it seemed like the family business. And my mom said to me, do not go into teaching unless you really love it. And what I have found, so I, what I have found in society, I feel the same about healthcare. The people in general who are going into these fields are going into it because they really love it. And so the teachers I meet, oh my, I just got chills thinking about some of the teachers, Jesse, you know, Jesse Sherman and Katie. Like these are young kids right out of college that went into teaching because they love it. So yes, are a lot of people leaving these professions? They are. But I'm seeing so many young healthcare professionals and teachers that are coming in right behind them and they're coming in for the right reasons because they love it. When I taught first grade, I went to the teacher's lounge. Now, this is a lot of years ago, but when I sat at the table in the teacher's lounge, the kindergartner teachers came in and they paused, like in shock. And I looked at them, I'm a brand new teacher. I said, hi, I'm, I, so I thought they were surprised that there was a new teacher. I said, hi, I'm Allison, I'm the new teacher. They're like, no, you're sitting in our seat. Thank you for joining us for this week's public affairs program with Allison Barber. I'm Jay Zimmer. From all of us at Midwest Communications Evansville, make it a great week.